So you guys know we've been in this series for the past five weeks or so called Momentum, and we're talking about how to, how to get into the flow of what God's doing around us so that we can be involved in His work. And today we transition. Uh, the first stage of that Momentum series was all about discovery. Every one of the sermons, in case you missed it, maybe you weren't here or maybe you were here and you just didn't understand what we were doing, was about discovery because that's the first step of, of gaining momentum spirits in our life is making discoveries about God and about his world and about his work in our lives. And so today we transition to a new stage, and this stage is called ownership. Um, you go from discovering things about God to actually applying them to your life. It's not enough just to know a lot of good things if you're not doing anything practically with those truths. So this morning we transition and we go into an idea for the next few weeks about ownership. I want you to think about that, owning your own relationship with God. So let me just stop and ask you, whether you're here or watching online, do you own your relationship with God this morning? When you own something, it is yours. You make it yours. And today you'll notice that we've moved on the stage from inner tubes to kayaks. I don't know if you've ever been in a kayak or not. Kayaking is an individual experience. It's something that you have total control or not of yourself, but you can't really blame anybody else for what happens to you in a kayak, right? You get in the kayak and the experience is solely yours. Your skill, your experience guides you as you move into maybe faster waters in your life. Now, I know a canoe is not the same thing as a kayak, but in my experience it often is because when I'm canoeing with my wife, I'm by myself in the canoe. I don't know if you've had this experience or not. The very first time Christy and I ever got in a canoe, we were somewhere in Oklahoma. It was a painful experience. We were in the water literally maybe two minutes and we were already in the water. I mean, we're headed down and the water starts to pick up and there's a tree hanging over the river. And, and she's, we have the canoe backwards, we're in the canoe thing backwards, and so she's actually headed towards the tree. And I said, honey, there's a tree coming. Well, to avoid the tree and messing her hair up, she, you know, leans way over and we go over, we tip over. So we're in the water, we're trying to get the canoe up, we're dying laughing, you know, we're having a good time, trying to get this thing lifted up, get the water out of it. And no sooner that happened, we look up and on the other side of the river, because they were avoiding us at all costs, this couple that had to be in their 70s come canoeing by. And he's got slacks and a dress shirt on. She's got her makeup on, her hair's all done. They have a picnic basket in the middle of their canoe. And I thought, okay, I, I, let's just wait and see what happens at the end of this trip. I bet you they don't look like that when this is over with it. I couldn't believe they actually were like all put together going down the, the river. We got to the end of the thing. They looked exactly the same. Why? Because that guy, obviously, his wife wasn't doing anything. He was doing all the steering and the canoe and paddling, all that stuff. He obviously had the skills and experience to navigate the waters that I didn't have, obviously. So the reality is in our relationship with God, the kayak's kind of a good metaphor. It's kind of a good example, analogy for, for what it looks like in our lives sometimes because it is an individual relationship with God. I mean, obviously we have a relationship with each other in the church. We're believers in Jesus Christ together, but you have your own relationship with God. And if you don't, if you don't actually own a relationship with God this morning, I'm going to tell you how to do that before the service is over, and you could actually walk out of here, or if you're watching online, actually experience a personal relationship with God this morning. What I want you to see is that ownership is not theoretical. Discovery can be theoretical. You make a discovery, you go, oh, that's kind of nice, that's great. But when you decide to take that thing you've learned and actually apply it to your life, that's when it gets sometimes painfully practical. 
It becomes a part of who you are. That's really what ownership is. And so this morning, I want us to, to turn to Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 20. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from Numbers 20 and a, a situation that happened in the people of Israel's life as they traveled to the Promised Land. And as you know, if you're familiar with that, it didn't go always according to plan. And so we're going to look at that together. So would you stand with me this morning? If you're here on our Marshall campus, we welcome you. And let's read together. You, you follow along silently as I read aloud the first 13 verses of Exodus chapter 20. It says, The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community. So they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. And then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. They fell down uh, with their face to the ground, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. And you will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff so that a great amount of water gushed out and the community and their livestock had livestock to drink. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to show my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I've given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and he showed his holiness to them. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. So you see from this story, this incident from the life of the people of Israel as they traveled from Egypt where they were slaves to a land that God promised to give them, really a process of ownership. What you're going to see in these verses this morning is an example of what it looks like to really own your faith, to own your own relationship with God. And first you'll see that disappointment often leads to desperation. Why did they go to Kadesh? Because they expected to find water there. Kadesh was an oasis. If you're traveling around the desert, and this is by some estimates, they're about their 40th year of doing that, just wandering around the desert. You know, the desert's not much fun. There's not much to do in the desert. It's just hot and sandy, and there's not a lot of life in the desert. And, and they don't have any water, so they go to an oasis, and their expectation is when they get there, they're going to find water, right? They get there, and there's no water. And then something else happens. Something else happens in the life of Moses and Aaron. Their older sister, Miriam, dies. And, it, you know, the Bible just says Miriam died, and she was buried there. Boom. We just move on, Right? But when you, when you have someone in your life that you're close to and they die, whether they die of old age or whether they die unexpectedly younger, it's, it's a grieving process that you have to go through. I don't think it would be a stretch to say that Moses and Aaron are grieving. Remember, Miriam's the one that uh, was watching when Moses' mother put him in the, in the basket in the Nile River because the Pharaoh had commanded that all the male children, when they were born, be thrown into the Nile River. He wanted to decrease the population of the Israelites. He was scared of them. And so that was his decree. And Moses' mother took and put him in this basket and his sister watched. Miriam was watching on the bank. And so Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the Nile River and she finds him 
And Miriam comes up and says, oh, you know, I see that you have pity on him. Would you like me to find a Hebrew woman to take care of him? And so she says, yes. And so Miriam goes and gets Moses' mother, her mother, and brings her to take care of Moses. That's Miriam. Miriam's always been by Moses and Aaron's side. And they get to Kadesh, and she dies. And Moses has to be disappointed. He has to be disappointed in the fact that there's no water, and now his sister's died, and he's grieving. And then, look at what it says, the people assembled against him. This was a common occurrence. I haven't even been in ministry 40 years yet, and I can't imagine leading this group of people. Can you? I mean, I try to put myself in Moses' place sometimes, and I'm like, they just constantly complain against Moses, against Aaron. Why have you brought us out here to die in the desert? It's a theme that they, do, they go over and over again because that's what they thought. They literally thought that Moses had it in for them. Their leader had it in for them. So, so here's Moses, and he's dealing with disappointment in his life. Can you relate to that this morning? That may be your life. You may have had things that you expected to happen in life that haven't happened or didn't happen, or someone close to you died unexpectedly, and that rocked your world. Or the people that you're trying to influence and lead, it may even be your own family, maybe they turned against you. Maybe they rejected your leadership, and they questioned everything and every motive that you ever had. You may not be quite there this morning, but maybe you are. What do you do in that moment? Because you see, personal ownership often begins in crisis. We, we have to own our faith when we have to own our faith. When we have a real need in our life, when something is going on in our life that we can't fix on our own, that's when we often have a need to own our faith. And think about it. That's the way it is with salvation. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there had to be a crisis at some point in your life where you went... I don't want to go to hell when I die. I don't want to stand before God condemned forever. I don't want to be God's enemy. I want to be saved. I want to have Jesus Christ to save me in my life and save me from my sin and forgive me of my sin. If you've never experienced that this morning, you can before we get through here. But if you have, you know that that started in a moment of crisis. Oh, no. It's like Isaiah said, I'm a, I'm a person of unclean lips. I'm, I'm woe is me. I'm messed up here. I need help. Well, that crisis often is the thing that motivates you to reach out to Jesus and ask him to save you. It motivates ownership of your faith. And so often, though, as Christians, um, when life disappoints us and we face hard things in our life, we're given a choice. And the choice is, are we going to own our faith even when things are down, when, when things are tough, when we're facing a crisis? That's, that's the question we got to wrestle with this morning. Disappointment often leads to desperation. Aaron and Moses have real needs here. It's not theoretical. We know how the story ends, so we kind of tend to minimize it. But in the midst of what they're going through right here, it's a struggle. It's a hardship. They have people who don't like them, who are mad at them, who are against them, literally. Their sister just died. They're grieving. And they have no water. And they have all these people and all these animals to try to take care of. And you can't live without water. So they have very real needs in their life, like some of us do sometimes. And, and we can be tempted to think in our desperation, sometimes that our desperation occurs outside of our ownership of our faith, and actually the opposite is true. Desperation is often what drives us to ownership of our faith, going through desperate things. So disappointment can often lead to desperation. Leonard Ravenhill, who was the, the sort of famous evangelist, English evangelist and prayer warrior, used to say this. This was his quote, God answers desperate prayer. And I used to argue with that. When I first read that, I thought, no, 
what, God's not a sadist. He doesn't enjoy watching us go through pain and he can't wait till we're desperate. But the older I get and the more I read God's word and understand what it means to walk with God and own my faith, the more I tend to agree with Leonard Ravenhill. God answers desperate prayer. Is that true in your life? Have you seen that come true in your life? Because when we get desperate, we get at a place where God can actually speak to us. Until that point, oftentimes, we're kind of defiant. We're independent. We tend to want to walk at arm's length from God. But when we need God, when we don't really have any other choice, we become very interested in what God has to say to us. And so, so you can't fake desperation. When we go through disappointments in our life, that's often where it leads us. And I, I don't want you to I don't want you to waste your desperation this morning because secondly, I want you to see that desperation can lead to dependence. Now look at what happened here. Aaron and Moses, they got this right. They went into the presence, they left the the assembly and went to the presence of the Lord, the, the, the tent of meeting, which is where they met with God, and it says they fell on their faces to the ground. And what more visible representation of dependence is there than getting as low as you can get on your face before the Lord? I love that phrase they got on their face, you know, just put their face on the ground. They were like, God, we need you. We're desperate. We have no solution. We have no idea what to do here. Have you been there lately? Are you there this morning with something that's going on in your life and you're just like, I'm desperate, but I don't know if I'm dependent. Let your desperation drive you to dependence. Right now in this story, no water, their sister just died. The people are all against them. Let me ask you a question. Is God for Moses and Aaron? Look at what it says. Paul says this in Romans 8, 31. He says, what then can we say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Is that just true for New Testament Christians? No. That's true about God. God's for people. God's for you. Now, if you look around and go, I don't have any water. I don't have any money. People don't like me. I'm in a bad situation. I'm kind of desperate. It seems like maybe God's turned against me too. Ever been tempted to think that? That's not true though. And even though things are tough in Moses' life, God's actually still for him and still leading him. But when you're out of water and you're in a bad place and you're disappointed in your life, and maybe you're disappointed with God, what do most Christians today do? I'm so angry at you, God. They turn their fists to God and they blame God. The God who can help them. Instead of being dependent on him, instead of doing what Moses did and just go get on your face before God and say, God, I can't do this without you. Most Christians today get into this thing of blaming God. And they feel justified in doing it. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, God is your, if God's for you, which the Bible says that he is, and you're standing over here and you're blaming him, who are you aligning yourself with in that moment? Revelation says this, that Satan... accuses the brethren before God day and night. He's constantly accusing you and me before God. And when I accuse God, I'm aligning myself with my enemy. Who's behind that? My enemy, right? So many times when I get disappointed and I get desperate, oftentimes I get defiant. I go, God, why'd you let this happen to me? Instead of getting on my face before God and becoming dependent and saying, God, I can't do this without you. And so many Christians miss this, and they miss what desperation can lead to in their life. And so Moses and Aaron, they got this right. And they're leaders. They have influence over all these people, and I love that about them. The reality is, to kind of tell you where we're heading, 
with this whole series of discovering and owning, ultimately we're headed to this place of understanding leadership, discovering, owning, and leading. That's the discipleship process we use here at Marley. It's a biblical discipleship process. And so we're going to talk more about that later. But Moses and Aaron, they got this one right. They're leading correctly. They're on their face before God. The people see that because they're on the outside of the tent of meeting. So anyone can go. The Bible says whenever they would go to the tent of meeting, the outside of the tent of meeting, that the people would all go to the front of their tent and watch them. That's what the Bible says. So people are watching them to see what they're going to do in this moment. And that's how they handle that. So I want you to understand this morning, we are at Moberly, we are people leading people into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That means God has designed all of us to lead. And we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks, but I know people that just go, no, 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 I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. Says who? My Bible says you're salt and you're light. My Bible says that God puts you in people's lives so that you could have influence over them for his sake and for his glory. So you actually do have leadership. We're all different, though. We're not all the same kind of leader. We're going to try to help you understand what, how God designed you to lead in your life. And there's a lot of great things we can do to do that. But let me ask you this question. What do you think Moberly's greatest need is today? It's leadership. It's every church's greatest need. Leadership. Not just the paid people, the people that don't get paid. It's you guys. You guys are the greatest resource this church has outside of the Holy Spirit, and you are our greatest need, leaders. In fact, this morning, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, every year we have this thing we call promotion, and, and we have a lot of needs in our preschool and children's area. I think right now we need like 65 adults to help out leading in preschool and children's ministry. Some of you guys have the shirts on this morning. You're already volunteering to do that. But a lot of you... Raise kids, you know how to do it. We need your help. And so you go, 65, really? Yeah, 65. And so what happens, guys, is if we don't have people in those rooms, eventually guests come and go, I'm not leaving my kid in a room with one adult. You wouldn't either, right? So we need people to step up and help. And really all I'm going to ask you to do this morning is ask the Lord if that's what he wants you to do. And if he does, as soon as this service is over, just go out there and find somebody at the information desk. There'll be somebody out there and say, look, I'm interested. I don't know that I want to commit, but I'm interested in talking to somebody about helping out and, and, and leading preschools, preschoolers and children at, at Moberly, okay? It's a great thing. Now, why am I talking about that? Because Moses and Aaron, as leaders, they got this right. Sometimes we don't know what to do as leaders, and we need information. We need, we need skills and experiences in our lives. We're going to start a thing this Wednesday night called Leadership Essentials. It's at 6.30 over in the crossing, and each week, one of us pastors will be leading that. It's a time of teaching, but also discussion. You'll, you'll discuss around your tables there. Uh, there'll be a guest each week that comes in that we kind of interview and ask some questions of. If, if you're in choir or doing something else, maybe you're working with children on Wednesday nights, and you can't be a part of that from 6.30 to 7.30. We're going to record it and put it up as a podcast so that you can listen to that later in the week and, and still gain those skills. Why are we doing that? Because we, we want to equip all of you to be the leaders that God designed you to be. You see, Moses is doing it right here. By the end of the story, we're going to see that he doesn't always get it right. But he's like us. He's human. But all of us need skills. We need to be trained in our leadership development. And we're going to be talking more about that. But what I love, what he got right was that he got on his face. He, he let his desperation lead him to dependence. I had a, a phone call this week with one of my be best friends who's 54 years of age, and he just got laid off. And you go, wow, the economy's booming. You can't, you know, we can't find people to work. There's so many jobs out there. And he's in an industry where his company just got overextended and they need to cut down. And so he's got a lot of skills and stuff, but it's scary when you get over 50, right? I mean, 
People go, yeah, I want somebody who's 30. I don't really want somebody who's at the end of their work life. I want somebody who's young that I can train, that I can invest in. You, you don't have much time left, you know. And the industry he's in, it's really true. And so he's, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. But he, we were talking about this, and he was like, it's a scary thing to not have a job. I've never not had a job in my adult life. And now I got totally surprised by this thing, and I don't know what to do. But he said, I'll tell you this. I am going to depend on the Lord. And I said, you know what? You're going to learn some things about God. You're going to own some things in your faith from walking with God through this that you would never learn otherwise. And I don't know what job God has for you or what he's going to give you, but he's not going to abandon you. He loves you. He's for you. And he's going to walk you through this. But I love that he's in faith. He's not going, oh, God, let this happen to me. I'm so mad at God. No, he's like Moses. He's saying, I am going to depend on God. I am going to wait on the Lord. There's a phrase, I don't know who said it. I've used it for years. I love it. It's the phrase being stranded on God. When you're dependent, when you're face down, when you've got people mad at you and, and nothing's working out in your life and you can't move forward except to wait on the Lord, I like that phrase. And I've used that with some of you before. It's like being stranded on God. You're stuck there. You're waiting there. That's a great place to be, actually. Because when you're waiting on God, when you're totally dependent on God, amazing things can happen in your life. So let me, let me ask you this. Are you, are, you, are you grasping the idea of ownership this morning? Do you own your faith? Has crisis caused you to abandon your relationship, your close walk with God? Or in your desperation, has it forced you into a sense of dependence on the Lord where you say, I am totally at the mercy of God in my life. I'm totally depending on what he wants to do in my life. Let me, let me ask you this. What are you dependent on God for today? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Really. I mean, we, we tend to depend on ourselves. We're Americans. We're independent. We're, you know, whatever. But really, we're all dependent on God for everything, for everything that matters in our lives. So why not celebrate that? Why not embrace that and understand that God is going to work through us in our dependence? Now, I love this. There's a corporate aspect to this because God actually tells Moses, before you get water from the rock, I want you to gather all the people around. I want them to see what's about to happen. Our faith... Our ownership of our faith affects the faith of people that we know. Isn't that true? We have influence in other people's lives. Moses is a leader, just like we're leaders in people's lives. You're leading in your kids' lives. You're leading in your marriages. You're leading people at work. They see how you respond to crisis, and they understand that your faith matters to you when you own it in the midst of a crisis sometimes. And so he, he's saying, look, I want you to gather all the people around because I want them to see what's about to happen. And, and it's powerful. It's powerful because that's what God wants to do in our life. It's a picture of what God wants to do in our life. God loves faith in you. God loves it when me and you are completely dependent on him. He doesn't like our independence, but he celebrates our trust in him. Listen to what the book of Hebrews says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So desperation can lead to dependence. But this may be the most powerful thing I'm fixing to say to you this morning. So grab a hold of this next one. And that's this. Dependence always leads to provision. Is that true? Dependence always leads to provision in your life. It says here that when they got on their face before God, the glory of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord spoke to them. 
right? Here they are, this terrible need, and, and they, they're totally dependent on God, and they're waiting, and when they get on their face before God and they're completely dependent on God, God shows up and speaks to them. Do you need God to speak to, to you this morning? Are you waiting to hear from the Lord about something? Have you gotten on your face before the Lord and said, I am completely dependent on you this morning? Because I promise you, dependence always leads to provision in your life. Now, I don't, that doesn't always mean that you're going to get everything you want, okay? But provision for your marriage, provision for your kids, provision for your job, like my friend, provision for your health. Maybe you're facing some scary stuff with your health and you're going, I need help. I, I, I have no control over this. I need God to show up and do something. I love this. We were talking about church plants a second ago, Greg Martin was. And there's a young man that works at Spearfish Church, um, Connection Church in Spearfish, one of our church plants up there. And he helps out. He's a layman, I believe, but ultimately wants to be a church planter. And um, gotten to know him on a couple of visits, what I've made up there. And I noticed this week on his social media, he had, he had written in his journal this quote. And I don't know if it's his or it's original to him. It's not that complicated, but it's, it's pretty profound when you think about it. He wrote this in his journal. He said, God has a history of doing great things. Is that not true? Could you write that in your journal? God has a history of doing great things. In other words, God has a history of providing for his kids. So if, if that's his history, then what do you think he's going to do going forward? He's going to continue to do the same thing. He always takes care of his kids. So the corporate aspect of this is parents, especially for you guys, is your kids need to see that in your lives, that you're, that you're walking in faith, that you're depending on God, even when your family's going through a crisis. That's probably the best time for them to see in your life that you're trusting in the Lord. I remember when I was a kid, my dad and my uncle were talking. They, they shared a business together, and they both went to the same church. And so we were, our church was in a building uh, campaign, and they were talking back and forth. I mean, me and my brother in the back seat when the wind is down, just kind of, you know, in our own little world. But every once in a while, I'll tune in and listen to what they were saying. And I remember they were talking about an amount of money. Which, how much money were they each going to give, uh, where our family's going to give, to this building campaign at church? And I don't even remember the amount now, but as a kid, I remember thinking, What? We're going to give that much money? I mean, really? <laughs> I was surprised by that. I was kind of shocked by that. And as a kid growing up, that had an impact on me. Because I was like, my, my parents are going to trust the Lord with something real, money. And in our family, money was kind of come and go. You know, my dad was a home builder, so we had money and we didn't have any money. And we had money and then we didn't have any money. And so I thought that, that communicated to me in a big way. So parents, listen, there's an opportunity here for you not just in terms of your giving, but, but your daily dependence on the Lord. You owning your experience with God and letting your kids see that. I think that because um, Moses was instructed to gather all the people, that's a good word for us as dads. Gather our kids together. Gather our wives and our kids together, our families together, and, and let them hear what God's doing in our life. Talk about the most recent provision that God's made in your life. You could do that today at lunch or sometime later this week. Dependence always leads to provision. Isn't that true? It's not name it and claim it. It's not prosperity gospel. You guys know we don't believe that here. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want if you depend on the Lord. It means you're going to get what you need. It means you're going to get what God wants you to have in that situation. And that's the best thing you could get anyway, right? And so it's trusting that he knows what's best. So do you own that truth this morning? What if from now on your default setting was first thing is I'm going to trust God? First thing is I'm going to depend on God. Instead of worrying, instead of getting defiant, instead of getting angry at God, 
I'm going to trust him when I have a real need in my life. Let me, let me tell you a story that seems silly, but it, it, it actually communicates this exact truth. Um, about two years into my salvation, I went to a youth camp. I got saved at a youth camp, a little camp up in Arkansas called Camp Ozark, Mount Ida, Arkansas. And a pretty rustic camp, so I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but, but God used that experience in that place to save me. And about two years later, I was back there serving as a youth intern at our church. And a guy came to speak to our kids. And so um, the, the way the camp is situated, there's a little open-air tabernacle right by this kind of creek, lake thing that they, they bottle up and make a swimming hole out of, basically. And so in the evening, this particular evening, it was crickets and frogs. I mean, it was like so loud. And it's right about dusk, you know. And so they're just going off. And, and the guy that's speaking I mean, it's obvious that he's losing the kids to the crickets and the frogs. I mean, they're out of control. They're so loud. And he does this amazing thing. He stops and he goes, you know, guys, look, look at me just a second. He got their attention. He said, I know right now that the crickets and the frogs are stealing your attention away from the word of God. And I know that he doesn't want that to happen. So he makes the crickets and the frogs. He knows all about them. He knows how they work and all that. So let's just stop and ask him, the father of creation, to just quieten down the crickets and the frogs so I can keep going tonight and share with you what he really wants you to get out of this. So he bowed his head and we prayed. And I'm not kidding you, as soon as he got through praying, the crickets and the frogs stopped. I saw that with my own, I heard that with my own ears, okay? Silly, crickets and, no, not silly, because this guy wanted to share God's word. And he was completely demonstrating dependence in that moment. A real need. Do you have a real need in your life? God is real. And when you trust him, when you own your faith, when you get on your face before him and depend on him, he provides every single time. You can take that to the bank. You can take that out of here and live that out in your life. It may not always be what you want, but it will always be what he wants for you. And so I hope you can own that this morning, that God will always provide for you. But the last thing I want you to see this morning is provision sometimes leads to pride. Moses and Aaron didn't get this one right, especially Aaron. I mean, especially Moses. He didn't get this part right, did he? I mean, Moses has been here before. If you go back, this is not the first time that they've encountered a rock and they needed water in the wilderness. Go back in Exodus 17 and you'll see that in that situation, they needed water and God told him to take his staff and strike the rock. That's what he had done before. But this time's different. He didn't tell him to strike the rock this time. He told him to speak to the rock this time. So I don't know if Moses is on autopilot, if he's just thinking, hey, yeah, the rock thing, I got this. I remember how this works. We did this before, yeah. It sounds like to me Moses is frustrated. Doesn't it sound like that to you, the way he's talking to the people? You rebels, he calls them. You re I mean, why wouldn't he be mad at them? They're mad at him. So he's like, I'm trying to do something good for you people, and all you ever are is mad at me, you know? So he's frustrated. He's prideful. He's not depending fully on God in this moment. And you think, well, it's a small thing. I mean, before he struck the rock, he got water. So what's the big deal? Well, the Bible says what the big deal is. The big deal is God, according to God, he says, you didn't trust me. Well, how was striking the rock not trusting God? Well, if he wasn't, and obviously he wasn't because God said he wasn't trusting him, what was he trusting in? The staff? His own knowledge, his own wisdom, his own experience? That's dangerous. That's a word for us this morning. We, we can let our, our provision that God gives us in our life lead to pride. Over and over it talks about the people of Israel, how they, 
how they would complain against God and he would provide for them, and then they would become prideful. It says they would eat and get proud. Like when we're full, when we have a lot of provision in our life, we tend to think that we're somehow the reason for that. <laughs> and we're not. God's the reason for that. If we have skills that we use to work to earn money, who gave you the skill? God did. Who gave you the ability to do that thing that you do so well? God did. So it all comes back to God. It all comes back to depending on him. But so many times I see myself in Moses' life, don't you? His provision can lead to pride in my life. Instead of more dependence, it creates this sense of, okay, then I got this. I'm not in a crisis anymore, so I don't really need you anymore, God, until the next crisis comes along. Right? We tend to live our lives like that, kind of dipping in and dipping out. And what God's trying to teach us is ownership is a consistent, consistent dependence on the Lord, rejecting this idea that we somehow can do it on our own. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and you know this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways, and he will guide you on the right path. Dependence always leads to provision. Do you see it? Look at this. It says, trust in the Lord, and that equals he will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Go down a little further. It says, and he will. He will always trust him, and he always will provide for you, whatever the provision is that you need in that moment. And for them, what was their greatest need? You say, well, water was their greatest need. No, no. Water really wasn't their greatest. Their greatest need was God. Because if you have God, you have water. If you have God, you have everything that you need in that moment. So, so many times we complain against God and we go, well, I need this or I need that. That's not our greatest need. Our greatest need is dependence on God. And that's what God was trying to teach Moses. You're trusting in what you did before. You're trusting in this magic staff that I gave you that can turn into a snake sometimes and make the Nile River turn into blood. But that's only true because I give it the power to do that because the power comes from me. And so this morning, we, we tend to think sometimes like Moses that we can do God's will our way. And that's not true. And so there's a consequence as a leader for Moses not following the Lord and obeying him the way that God told him to. He said, you're not going to enter the promised land, Moses. You guys are not going in. And he didn't. He didn't get to see what he had labored for for so long. Did God still love him? Yes. But God said, there's a consequence for not following. There's a consequence for pride. The Bible says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs talks about that pride goes before destruction. Pride's always the enemy of what God wants to do in your life. Do you know that? And so this morning, I don't know, maybe you need to repent of pride in your life. Maybe you need to repent of depending completely on yourself most of the time and on God only when you're in a crisis. You say, I need to repent of that? Yeah, because that's sin. When you don't depend on God, it's a sin in your life. It's a sin in my life when I depend on myself instead of depending on God. And so Pastor Glenn talked about repentance last week, about rejecting sin in your life and trusting in God. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe, like I said a moment ago, you've never asked Christ into your life. You don't actually own your relationship with God. You don't have a relationship with God. But you're in a crisis today because you heard me say that outside of Jesus Christ, you're headed to hell. The worst place anybody could ever imagine. And that's true. That hasn't changed. The, the truth of God is the same. But the good news is you don't have to go to hell. You can be forgiven and you can be saved and you can actually go to heaven. So this morning I'm going to ask us just to bow our head and close our eyes. And as, as I pray, I want you just to think about and ask the Lord, Lord, what about this message do I need this morning? What, what do you want to say specifically to me about owning my own faith in you?
God, thank you this morning that your word's clear, that when we study it, when we analyze it, and we look at it, that we learn so much about you, and we can take those things and apply them to our lives. Thank you, God, for the promise that you always provide. And we see that provision most clearly when we're completely dependent on you. Thank you for that truth. I pray, God, that that truth would change the way all of us live our lives from now on. Thank you for that truth. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.